0: My name is Jamar McKinney, or you can, of course, just call me Juice, because that is my nickname. Welcome, everyone, to the Juice Alert. This is episode number 54 of the Juice Alert today. If you have not subscribed to the Juice Alert already, be sure to do that right about now. You will not regret it. You can, of course, find me on YouTube, as well as podcasting platforms. That includes Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, all that great stuff. If you're feeling kind, be sure to leave me a good rating and review if you're listening on podcasting platforms. And also, if you're watching this video on YouTube, be sure to leave this video a like. It definitely helps me out right here on the show today. A lot of interesting, fun topics to talk about and dive into. It's been a while since I've done an episode, but we're going to jump right into things. You know, We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, Chris Paul, Damian Lillard. And, of course, the NBA Finals, a lot of storylines to cover right there. But before I do get started, I just wanted to say you guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. The links to my Instagram and Twitter accounts will be in the description of this episode. And you can also follow the Instagram account for the Juice Slurk if you want to get specific updates regarding this show. Like I said, once again, those social media pages will be in the description of this episode. But without further ado, let's dive right into things right here because we have a lot of things to talk about. So obviously, the NBA Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks defeated the Phoenix Suns in six games in the 2021 NBA Finals and Giannis Antetokounmpo was named the NBA Finals MVP. Now, I'm not going to lie to you guys out here. If you would have told me at the start of the season that the Milwaukee Bucks would beat the Phoenix Suns in the 2021 NBA Finals, I would look at you like you were crazy. But... I got to say, this NBA season has been pretty, pretty wild. There's been a lot of surprises. It was a great season overall. I do think the 2021 NBA Finals was a success. The first two games weren't, uh, well, I should say the first three games weren't necessarily all that competitive, but for after game three, it was a very competitive series. Both teams were pretty evenly matched. I actually picked the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA Finals in six games. So let's talk about why I was wrong, you know? What happened? You know, a lot of people are saying the Phoenix Suns blew it. You know, Chris Paul deserves a whole lot of blame. And I can understand why people are saying those things. I'm not letting Chris Paul off the hook because I think he played a pretty solid series, but it wasn't the type of series that I felt that he was capable of having. I felt that he could have played better, you know? But the reality is, in my opinion, based on what I watched, This was more about what Milwaukee was doing rather than what Phoenix didn't do. Of course, you can always look back and say, yeah, Phoenix could have done this, that, and the other better. But Milwaukee, to me, just looked like the better team. Whether they are the better team, we can debate that or not. But I think that this was about Milwaukee and the adjustments they made. Overall, I think the Suns actually put together a really good fight In these NBA finals, they jumped out to a two to nothing lead early in the series. You know, they were getting open, open shots for the most part in most games. Devin Booker was playing well. Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, he had his ups and downs, but he had his moments as well. And I felt that in game four and in game five, the two really big pivotal turning points of the series, I felt Phoenix actually played overall a pretty good game, but the thing is Milwaukee's best punch was not able to be matched by the Phoenix Suns. I think that Milwaukee's size and overall length really bothered the Phoenix Suns and I said heading to the series that there is potential for Milwaukee's size and length especially on defense to bother the Phoenix Suns. I I felt that they had very little answers for Giannis down low. I felt Giannis was going to play pretty well in this series. Um, Phoenix really didn't have a whole lot of you know guys down low outside of DeAndre Ayton to really bang with Giannis. Crazy enough, Dario Saric actually was a huge loss for the Phoenix Suns. I know that he's not a big-name player, but they could have used an extra body definitely to you know mix things up down there. But the thing about Milwaukee is when they're also hitting perimeter shots along with you know, punishing you down low in the paint, then it's pretty much over. If they're hitting their perimeter shots, there's really nothing you can really do. And that's what M- Milwaukee was doing. They were hitting perimeter shots. Giannis and, and the Bucks were doing their things down low in the paint. And I had to give Mike Budenholzer a lot of credit because I didn't think Mike Budenholzer could make the necessary adjustments to win the series. And he was able to make the necessary adjustments. He was the better coach between him and Monty Williams. I felt that Mike Budenholzer, coached to excellent NBA Finals. He got those guys ready to play. And Giannis obviously taking home the NBA Finals MVP. It was well-deserved. He averaged 35 points per game during the series, had 13 rebounds per game, uh, five assists, almost two blocks a game, and he also averaged over a steal per game. He was excellent. It was an all-time great performance. And his 50-point game in game number six of the NBA Finals, was one of the best playoff performances, quite frankly, I've ever seen. You know, this was an all-time great series from Giannis Antetokounmpo. He deserves a lot of credit. I'll I'll talk about him a little bit later in the show once again because there's a lot to talk about with Giannis, you know. But he was an all-time great player in this series. He stepped it up. And now people really can't question Giannis that much anymore. You know, they can talk about his flaws all they want. But now they must put the label NBA champion and NBA finals MVP by his side. Because no matter what people say, you know, Giannis is still a champion. We cannot take that away from him. We'll never be able to. He was phenomenal. But also, you look at Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton hit a lot of big shots down the stretch. Had a 40-point game, and I believe game number four, that really, you know, turned things around for the Bucs and were able— To allow them to tie up the series, Chris Middleton throughout the playoffs was hitting tough shot after tough shot. He had his ups and downs, but he was there for for Milwaukee when it mattered most. And also Drew Holiday. I want to point out two players that were key for the Milwaukee Bucks season. Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker. Two guys that were available in the offseason. You know, Milwaukee traded for both of them. And they were huge components to this team because they fit the culture of the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Drew Holiday is this, you know, guy that's been doubted pretty much throughout his entire career. He's this hard-nosed defender. And his defense down the stretch in these playoffs was really a big key difference for the Milwaukee Bucks. Same thing with P.J. Tucker. You know, P.J. Tucker was not brought in to pre- to play pretty basketball for the Milwaukee Bucks. He was brought in to play great defense, bring veteran leadership, and hit corner threes occasionally. If you can, you know, and he was able to do that. He, he was a star in his role. And those two key moves really are what propelled Milwaukee to getting to the next level. They didn't have a guy like Drew Holiday last year in the playoffs. That was a, that was a very good defensive point guard that can get you 15 to 20 points on any given night if he, you know, is on his A game, you know. And also, they didn't have a guy like P.J. Tucker to really, you know, man that locker room and set the tone for guys. So, overall, I have to give the Milwaukee Bucks organization a ton of credit. This is the first NBA championship Milwaukee has won in over 50 years, and I got to give them a lot of credit. You know, Phoenix, they put together a great fight, but overall, I just think that Milwaukee overwhelmed them. Milwaukee looked like the better team, and... Once Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks decided to put their foot down, it was pretty much over. And congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. Their fan base definitely deserves it. And I'm happy for Giannis Antetokounmpo especially. So the Suns obviously lost the 2021 NBA Finals to the Milwaukee Bucks in six games. I felt they were going to win this series heading into the NBA Finals. But obviously I was wrong. So I had to take the L right there. But I have to say the Phoenix Suns had an unbelievable year. Despite losing in the NBA Finals, you know, people have to realize that the 10 years previous or I should say prior to this moment, the Phoenix Suns hadn't even made the playoffs and all of a sudden out the blue, they're in the NBA Finals this year. You know, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Cameron Payne. They had a very talented roster this year and those guys deserve a lot of credit despite losing this series. So a lot of people are wondering, you know, what's next for the Phoenix Suns, you know? Um, on one hand, there are Phoenix Suns fans out there that are really, really excited about the future because, well, you got a very good young core of really good players, along with some veteran players like Chris Paul and Jamison Crowder. Or I should say Jay Crowder. Jamison Crowder plays for the, um, who does he play for? He's an he's a NFL player. I get those guys mixed up. Bottom line, you know, you had Chris Paul and Jay Crowder as veterans, a good young core. And now this young core knows what it takes to win because they've gotten to an NBA Finals. They tasted a couple of moments of success in the NBA Finals. They won two games in the NBA Finals, you know? So this young core knows what it takes to get to the top, okay? Now they just have have to find a way to finish things off, you know? And the next five years, and, and let me just say this. Over the next five years, if the Phoenix Suns were to win a championship, I won't be surprised because their organization is set up in a pretty good spot. And they have a good young core, like I said. However, I'm going to look at things from this perspective. And this is my overall opinion on the current state of the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns championship window is much more narrow than people realize. And what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is it's more than likely that they start to fall Out of the championship picture over the next four to five seasons rather than them potentially getting back to the finals and resurrecting themselves. You know, I I just don't think Phoenix has what it takes as currently constructed. Well, well, maybe I shouldn't say they they don't have what it takes. I'll just say this. I don't see the Phoenix Suns getting back to the NBA Finals anytime soon and you could say well they have a good young core they were just there well a lot of people said the same thing about the Orlando Magic back in 2009 oh the Magic they're a really good team they'll be back to the NBA Finals but the Magic have not gotten close to the NBA Finals ever since you know people talked about you know Kevin Durant Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Serge Ibaka. Oh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know, they lost to Miami, but they're a bunch of babies. You know, a good young core, really talented team. They'll be back. They'll win multiple championships. Didn't pan out that way. The Oklahoma City Thunder, as far as I'm concerned right now today, they're irrelevant. They're not in the championship picture. And Kevin Durant and that team never even got back to an NBA Finals. The 2020 Miami Heat who made it to the finals last year versus the, versus the Los Angeles Lakers. They completely fell off the mat this year. And I'm sorry, unless Miami makes another big-time splashy move, I don't see them being in the championship picture going forward. I just don't, okay? So, look, even when a team wins a championship, sometimes that team doesn't get back. For a very, very long time. You know, the Dallas Mavericks in 2011, they won a championship. They haven't sniffed the NBA Finals ever since that moment. The 2019 Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard, you know, they're an old aging roster now. Kawhi Leonard no longer plays for the team. The Boston Celtics in 2008 with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Hall of Fame level players. They got one championship. They have not been, they have not snipped the NBA Finals ever since. They've gotten close a couple times, but they haven't gotten back. The Cleveland Cavaliers in 2016 won the championship versus Golden State. People said, oh, Cleveland might be the next dynasty. Cleveland's a mess right now. And you have to think: what if Chris Paul leaves this team? I think Chris Paul realizes that this was probably his best opportunity to win a championship. And Phoenix probably is not going to get back anytime soon. Chris Paul could leave and join LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know, or, or I should say he could force his way out via trade potentially, you know. And Chris Paul was the heart and soul of this team. He may not be the best player on the Phoenix Suns roster, but he was the heart and soul and arguably one of, if not the most valuable player on that team this past year. And I don't know if he's going to come back. And he's getting older and older, okay? Chris Paul's age really showed in the NBA Finals. Is a 37-year-old Chris Paul going to be able to make another deep postseason run and bring this team back to the to the championship? I'm not sure, you know? And it's just one of those things where sometimes you get lucky breaks, you get to an NBA Finals, and sometimes it just may be, you know, you got your best shot right there. You may never get back. And I think that Phoenix is in a situation where, yes, they have a young core of talented players, but – we have to keep in mind how Phoenix got here. LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers were not 100% healthy. Anthony Davis was suffering, suffering from injuries in that series, barely could play. LeBron James was hobbled a little bit, you know? The different Nuggets, who Phoenix beat along the way in the second round. They were down two starters. Jamal Murray and Will Barton didn't play. And I'm sorry, but if the Los Angeles Clippers had Kawhi Leonard by their side, and Kawhi Leonard didn't get hurt. I think the Los Angeles Clippers would have been in the NBA Finals. They took them six games, the Phoenix Suns. The, the, the Clippers took the Phoenix Suns six games without Kawhi Leonard. Okay? If you add Kawhi Leonard, one of the top five players in the NBA, to that equation, I think that equation equals Clippers winning that series. So, I don't know. I think Phoenix's championship window is much more narrow, narrow narrower I should say my words got twisted right there. Sorry, I'm not the best at, you know, articulating my words at times. But I think the Phoenix Suns championship window is closing uh, rather quickly. It's crazy to say that because they just were in the NBA Finals. But that's ultimately how I feel about the current state of the Phoenix Suns. So Giannis Antetokounmpo just won the 2021 NBA Finals MVP. He is now an NBA champion. He averaged 35 points per game, 13 rebounds and five assists, and shot 60% from the field during the series. And what's most notable about this great performance from Giannis is in game number six, which was the closeout game for the Milwaukee Bucks, he had a 50-point game. And in that game, he shot 17 for 19, for 19 from the free throw line. 17 makes on 19 attempts. That's unbelievable because Giannis he usually hovers around anywhere from 50 to 70 percent from the free throw line. That was amazing, and I want I want to zero in on Giannis Antetokounmpo, aka the Greek Freak, because his story is un- is incredible. Giannis grew up in Greece, and he he developed himself into being an NBA prospect, and he was the 15th overall pick in the first round of the 2013 NBA draft. And looking back, it is mind-boggling that 14 players were drafted ahead of Giannis Antetokounmpo in that draft. Sure, you had players like Victor Oladipo, CJ McCollum, Rudy Gobert, you know, turn into really good players. But none of those players are anywhere close to how good Giannis is right now. And you also have guys like Shabazz Muhammad, Cody Zeller, Otto Porter Jr., and most notably Anthony Bennett, who's one of the biggest busts of all time. He went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I feel so sorry for the guy because he never should have been drafted that high. But the bottom line is all these guys are marginal NBA players or busts right now, and they were drafted ahead of Giannis. And I will say Giannis did not get off to the fastest start regarding his NBA career. As a rookie, he averaged 6.8 points per game. But since then, Giannis has gone on one of the greatest seven-year stretches in NBA history. During that seven-year stretch, Giannis has turned himself into a five-time All-Star, a two-time NBA MVP, an All-Star Game MVP, three times Giannis, has made first-team All-NBA, He won the Most Improved Player Award. He's won a Defensive Player of the Year Award. And three times, he's been First Team All-Defense. And last but not least, the final cherry on the top is Giannis Antetokounmpo is now an NBA champion and an NBA Finals MVP. The reality is this. If Giannis Antetokounmpo retired today, he'd be a Hall of Famer, without a doubt. And if he never wins another championship, He more than likely is going to still go down as one of the 25 greatest players in NBA history. Okay? I consider Giannis Antetokounmpo to officially be an all-time great NBA player. And the crazy thing is, Giannis is only 26 years old. And he's already an all-time great player. Okay? I'm sorry, people. But anytime you're a two-time NBA MVP, a defensive player, of the year award winner, and an NBA champion, along with a Finals MVP, I think you're an all-time great player. That's enough for me. All Giannis really needs is the longevity. And if he has the longevity, he'll he'll surpass guys like Kevin Garnett, you know, Dirk Nowitzki potentially, and things like that. The only players in NBA history to win multiple MVPs, a Defensive Player of the Year award, and an NBA Finals MVP, the only two players ever in history are Michael Jordan and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Now again, don't I'm not I'm not trying to say Giannis is in the GOAT conversation. I'm just pointing out that he's on that that rare list with a guy like Michael Jordan, which is impressive, you know. And it's very possible that Giannis can go down as, as a better all-time player than Kevin Garnett, like I said. I mean, Giannis already has more regular season MVPs He's got the same Defensive Player of the Year awards. You know, both Kevin Garnett and Giannis won one Defensive Player of the Year award and both have a championship. The difference is, Giannis is an NBA Finals MVP. Kevin Garnett's not an NBA Finals MVP. You look at Dirk Nowitzki, I'm just talking about guys that play sort of Giannis' position, you know, center, power forward, things like that. So when it comes to the big man, he can very easily pass, you know, Kevin Garnett. He can easily pass, a guy like Dirk Nowitzki, he's already got more in regular season MVPs than Dirk, has the same amount of finals, MVPs, and championships, and he's overall much better defender than what Dirk was. As great of a scorer as Dirk Nowitzki was, he never was close to the defender that Giannis is right now. You look at a guy like Moses Malone. Has Giannis caught Moses Malone yet? I don't think so. But when you look at Moses Malone, he's got three regular season MVPs, a finals MVP, and, and He never won a Defensive Player of the Year award, okay? Giannis doesn't have three MVPs, but he's got two MVP awards. He's won a final MVP, and he's won a Defensive Player of the Year award up to this point. Giannis is probably never going to catch Hakeem Olajuwon, but he could at least maybe knock on his door, you know, as far as maybe catching him. You know, Hakeem Olajuwon is a two-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner, two-time champion. And he's won a regular season MVP. Giannis doesn't have quite that resume. But I won't be shocked if Giannis has a a similar resume to Akeem Olajuwon when it's all said and done. And the thing is, Giannis Antetokounmpo is forever going to be remembered in NBA history. Okay? When we look at some guys that were great players but never won a championship, like Allen Iverson, Karl Malone, Chris Paul, who... Giannis just outplayed in the finals, you know. I feel like those guys are in danger of not getting the love and respect that they probably deserve because, well, they never won a championship. And when you never win a championship, you sort of get lost in the um circle of great NBA players, you know, because, well, because you didn't win a championship, you don't quite stand out as much, you know, but Giannis, he delivered the Bucs their first championship In fifty years, that's gonna stand out when when we talk about his all time legacy. Oh, you remember the time Giannis delivered the Bucks their first championship in fifty years? It was a historic, man. Fifty point game in a closeout game six. He was unbelievable. And right now, today, you can make the argument that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in basketball. Heading into, heading into next season, which will be the 2021-2022 NBA season. Now, in my opinion, in my opinion, is Giannis the best player in the world? No, I still think Kevin Durant is better. I still think you can make the argument that LeBron James is better than Giannis, but he's in that conversation. I can at least stomach someone saying Giannis is the best player in the world because he's earned it. You know, he's earned the right to be called the best player in the world. He's officially entered that conversation in my opinion and by next year I could be tooting his horn and saying hey he's the undisputed best player in the world because if he potentially knocks off the Brooklyn Nets once again if they're healthy or if he beats a LeBron James led Lakers team in the finals potentially then you just have to give it up he's he's the guy you know and people say you know Giannis can't shoot he relies too much on his athletic ability he's not an alpha doesn't have the it factor. None of that matters anymore. He's the NBA champion. As far as I'm concerned, Giannis Antetokounmpo is officially an all-time great NBA player already. Okay, everyone, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I will talk about the Green Bay Packers, which are an organization. Well, I should say which is, which is an organization that has been the gift that keeps on giving this offseason regarding so much Aaron Rodgers drama, dysfunction in the front office. We'll also talk about Damian Lillard, Chris Paul, a lot more things to talk about here on the Juicer. Don't go anywhere, people. I will be right back. Okay, everyone. I am officially back. So now I want to talk about excuse me, Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. I want to tackle this topic right here. So, like I said, the Green Bay Packers are the team that has been the gift that keeps on giving in the 2021 offseason. So, recently it's been reported that Aaron Rodgers turned down a contract extension with the Green Bay Packers that would have potentially made him the highest paid player And all football, and there's been a whole lot of things coming out this offseason about if Aaron Rodgers is going to return to Green Bay, about him being frustrated with the organization. There are rumors that he might retire. There's been trade rumors about him potentially going to the Broncos, the 49ers, the Dolphins, the Rams, a lot of crazy stuff. I was not surprised when I heard the reports that Aaron Rodgers turned down a contract extension with the Green Bay Packers because I always said, the problems are have gone beyond money and football for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, you know, the problem is not Green Bay's roster. To a certain degree, it is, because I, I think that Green Bay could, you know, improve their roster a little bit more. It's not money. Aaron Rodgers made a ton of money. The problems go much more deeper than the current talent on the roster and football. And now you got all pro wide receiver and maybe arguably the best wide receiver in all football, at least Aaron Rodgers, you know, best target currently on the roster, you have Devontae Adams, who has reportedly broken off. His contract extension talks with the Green Bay Packers, as you guys, if you guys didn't know, Devontae Adams is going to be a free agent after the 2021 NFL season. So we could be in a situation where both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are not playing for the Green Bay Packers one year from now. Devontae Adams has reportedly broken off his contract deal, his contract extension talks with the Packers. He's reportedly frustrated. And there were some reports that Green Bay kind of was, you know, lowballing him a little bit, that they kind of wanted to go a little bit cheap, and that they were potentially not looking to make him the highest paid wide receiver in all football, which is really ridiculous to me. I mean, I get it. You want to, you know, make reasonable deals with your players. But sometimes you have to overpay for great things. You know, my iPhone X, my laptop, my camera, all my equipment, I have to pay a good amount of money for these things, you know, because, well, it's high quality stuff. And a lot of these things don't surprise me, like I said, because the Green Bay Packers organization is much more dysfunctional than people are willing to realize. And it appears to me that Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have both lost their trust with the Green Bay Packers organization, at least for the time being. Because if Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers really trusted the vision of the Green Bay Packers organization, and if the, if they trusted the fact that they could get them paid the amount of money they need to be paid, well... We wouldn't be hearing, Oh, Devontae Adams contract extension is broken off. Oh, Aaron Rodgers turned down a contract extension. They've lost the trust of arguably their two best players. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. And what I don't understand about Green Bay is this. Let's, let's talk about from the Aaron Rodgers side of things. If you were this willing to potentially draft a quarterback to replace Aaron Rodgers, that guy being Jordan Love. And if you wanted to move on from Aaron Rodgers so bad, and if you thought Aaron Rodgers was regressing so bad, why didn't you give him a big-time contract extension in the first place to begin with? This is just another contract extension. But the Packers, a couple of years ago, made Aaron Rodgers one of the... Actually, at the time, they made him the highest-paid player in all football. And if you think... And if you... Realize that's the wrong that was the wrong decision, then just trade the guy. But no, Green Bay realized they messed up. That's what they're realizing. Because see, the thing is the thing is this. If Green Bay was really sure that Jordan Love was the next great franchise quarterback, do you really think? they'd be tolerating all these things with Aaron Rodgers. They probably wouldn't. Even though Aaron Rodgers just won the league MVP this past year, if the Packers were confident that Jordan Love is great, they would easily probably move off of Aaron Rodgers. And then when it comes to Devontae Adams, if you were concerned about the salary situation with him and potentially wanted to go cheap with Devontae Adams and not make him the highest paid wide receiver in all of football, then you should have been drafting for the future. The Packers... A year ago, in a wide receiver-rich draft full with a lot of great wide receivers, I'm talking superstar-level wide receivers, you know, like Justin Jefferson, you know, so many good wide receivers, uh, you know, things like that. They did not take a single wide receiver. Not a single one. They didn't take a single wide receiver in that draft. Over the past four to five seasons, the Packers have had opportunities to draft a successor to Devontae Adams, and they have not done so. I'm sorry, but that guy is not currently on the roster. Marco is not a scantling I think he's a good player, but he ain't close to Devontae Adams as far as his potential, you know? Same thing with Alan Lazard, same thing with Equinemie St. Brown. Outside of Devontae Adams, you have a lot of questions at wide receivers. So I think Green Bay has really mishandled this situation once again, not only with their star quarterback, but also with their star wide receiver. And Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers have lost trust with the Green Bay Packers organization. And it's a sad sight to see, no doubt about it. So I want to circle back to this Aaron Rodgers thing once again. There's been a lot of rumors this offseason about Aaron Rodgers potentially wanting out of Green Bay. That he could potentially become a Denver Bronco. Some people believe that he was going to stay for another year. Um, And even some people suggested that Aaron Rodgers might retire this season. Well, according to reports made by Ian Rappaport, people close to Aaron Rodgers do not believe Aaron Rodgers is going to retire, and they believe Aaron Rodgers is going to play the 2021 NBA, not NBA, pardon me, NFL season with the Green Bay Packers. And that's come as no shock to me. Look, when Jordan Love was drafted, I felt that Aaron Rodgers had about another two years left with the Packers. Then they'll really start to think about moving on from him. But see, the suggestions about Aaron Rodgers potentially retiring and things like that, I never really bought into them. I highly doubt that Aaron Rodgers is going to retire anytime soon. Now again, I kind of understand why some of those things were coming out because Green Bay has pretty much put Aaron Rodgers in a situation where either you're going to shut up and play this year or you can retire because Green Bay is, has made it known they're not even picking up the phone for Aaron Rodgers' potential trade packages. The 48 ers have called, the Rams have called, the Dolphins have inquired a little bit, the Broncos have called, and the Packers have shut all those teams down. They're not trading Aaron Rodgers. They're basically saying, Aaron, you play for us or you're going to retire, okay? And Aaron Rodgers does have options outside of football, you know. He seems like a very cool guy. If he were ever to become a broadcaster, I think he'd be very good at it. He also, you know, recently this past offseason hosted Jeopardy for a little bit. So Aaron Rodgers has options, okay. But I never bought into the retirement rumors. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers is retiring anytime soon. First of all, I know Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old. But Aaron Rodgers is coming off one of the best seasons Of his career. He just won the league MVP and really put a middle finger to the face of the Green Bay Packers because Green Bay thought he was regressing. But this past year, Aaron Rodgers had his best season yet as a pro. And that's saying a lot because he's won a Super Bowl and he's a three time MVP winner. He's a three time league MVP. He just won his third NBA, I'm sorry, NFL, pardon me, MVP, completed 70% of his passes. Threw for 4,300 yards, 48 touchdowns to only five interceptions. He had an all-time great season. And right now, as we currently stand today, outside of Patrick Mahomes and maybe Tom Brady, maybe Russell Wilson, and maybe Deshaun Watson, what quarterback right now is better at their job than Aaron Rodgers? I can make the argument that Aaron Rodgers right now is still arguably the best quarterback in all of football. It's between him, Patrick Mahomes, and whoever else you want to throw in there, maybe Tom Brady. But the bottom line is Aaron Rodgers is still at the top of his game. He's still an elite player. And I think Aaron Rodgers still has a lot of good football left in him. That's why I don't think he's retiring anytime soon. We're seeing the current rules in the NFL Favor the quarterback. You can barely hit the quarterback. You know, if you hit the quarterback too much, you're going to get flagged. You know, you can't deliver dirty hits anymore. The NFL has changed a lot. A lot of the rules coddle to the quarterback. Offenses are scoring more points than ever because, well, you can't touch the quarterback anymore. You cannot hit the quarterback consistently like you used to, okay? And we've seen guys like Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Peyton Manning, played very good football in the later stages of their, of their career. Phillip Rivers obviously kind of fell off pretty quickly. But his final season in Indianapolis, he had a pretty solid season. He led them to the playoffs. Peyton Manning won a league MVP in Denver. Okay, In his final season, he took them to the Super Bowl. Obviously carried by the defense. But the latter part of Peyton Manning's career was really, really good considering that he was in his late 30s and early 40s. Drew Brees was still one of the best quarterbacks in all football his final year. And we just saw what Tom Brady did with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He just won a Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers has stated multiple times that he wants to play well into his 40s. And no one has ever questioned Aaron Rodgers' work ethic or his body. They've maybe questioned his attitude and if he can win multiple Super Bowls. but they've never questioned the things that you should not be questioning. You know, the fact that he has a great diet, the fact that he he watches a lot of film in the offseason, the fact that he takes care of his body, you know. And I can see Aaron Rodgers playing at a very high level for the next three to four seasons, where he is still amongst one of the best quarterbacks in all of football. And then I think that he probably is going to have After that, two, maybe three more seasons where he's a very solid player. The bottom line is, I think Aaron Rodgers has five to seven years left in him. A very good, high-quality quarterback play. And even if things don't work out in Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers, you mean to tell me there aren't teams that are going to be on the market looking to go after him? The Miami Dolphins are going to be after Aaron Rodgers if Tua Tungvaluwa doesn't work out. The Denver Broncos... Have you seen their quarterback situation currently? It's a mess. There are multiple teams out there that are going to go after Aaron Rodgers, whether he plays in Green Bay or not. So I think Aaron Rodgers is here to stay for a while. I don't anticipate Aaron Rodgers retiring anytime soon in the near future. And I hope that's not the case. Well, let me put it to you this way because I, I said that the wrong way. Let me put it to you this way. I hope I'm right because the game of football is much more entertaining and much more better with Aaron Rodgers playing at a very high level. So, as I mentioned earlier, there was a report that recently came out from Ian Rappaport, a very a very very credible source in my opinion, that said Aaron Rodgers is likely going to stay in Green Bay for at least another year. In 2021. And there's been some people that have felt Aaron Rodgers is going to leave the Green Bay Packers. Personally, I don't see Aaron Rodgers finishing his career in Green Bay, but I do think that Aaron Rodgers is going to play at least one more season with the Packers. Now, this whole Aaron Rodgers situation is complicated with Green Bay because there's a lot going on. Once Jordan Love was drafted in 2020, when the Packers traded up to get him in the first round, at that very moment, I said, the clock is ticking with Aaron Rodgers. He's got about two more years left in Green Bay, and then they're probably going to ship him out the door. And the reason why I said that is because Jordan Love was drafted for what he could potentially become. He wasn't like Joe Burrow or Tua Tungabailoa or Justin Herbert coming out of college. Those three guys were looked at as NFL-ready quarterbacks from day number one, Jordan Love was looked at as a project. And again, I like Jordan Love. I felt that he was actually a better quarterback prospect than Tua Tagovailoa. I think he's a he's a pretty talented player. But I was also in the boat that you're drafting Jordan Love based off of his potential. And when it comes to these project-level players, they usually need about a year or two to, to develop. So Jordan, the bottom line is Jordan Love was not ready to step in and potentially lead the Packers to a Super Bowl championship this past season. I don't think he's ready to do that right now. I don't think Jordan Love is ready to take on the responsibility of being a franchise quarterback because he still needs time to develop and learn the basics of the NFL game and playing the quarterback position. So I felt that they were going to give Jordan Love about two years to develop, but also at some point, you got to rip the Band-Aid off, you know, because Jordan Love is on a rookie contract. And we've seen in the past, you know, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, even Aaron Rodgers win a Super Bowl on the rookie contract. When you can get a very good quarterback on a rookie contract, that's when you make all your moves because you're paying that quarterback not very much money. That's where you make all those moves. That's why the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Eagles, even when Carson Wentz was still very good. They were making a ton of moves because their quarterback was being paid not a whole lot of money. You look at the Arizona Cardinals. A big reason why they're able to make so many moves is because Kyler Murray is getting, is giving them a discount right now. Until Kyler Murray, you know, is getting to that second contract, they gotta make some moves, okay? And ultimately, I don't see Aaron Rodgers finishing his career in Green Bay because they want to get Jordan Love acclimated on that rookie contract, and eventually they're going to rip that Band-Aid off, in my opinion. I don't think Aaron Rodgers, deep down, trusts the Green Bay Packers organization. I think he despises them to a certain degree, as of right now. But I'm going to make the case as to why the idea of Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay is more likely than you realize. First of all, Green Bay has made it known They're not trading Aaron Rodgers away, okay? The Rams, the Broncos, the the Dolphins have all made calls. Green Bay has shut those calls down, okay? They're not trading Aaron Rodgers. And a big reason why is because, well, how can you move off a league MVP, okay? How how dumb would the Packers look if they move off of Aaron Rodgers a year after he just won the league MVP? They're not going to do that, okay? And they don't want to do that, I don't think. I think the Green Bay Packers are trying to squeeze out as much great quarterback play out of Ian Rodgers as they can until, well, they eventually have to rip that Band-Aid off, like I said. And when it comes to Jordan Love, let's think about it from this perspective. We can believe in Jordan Love all we want, but what if Jordan Love doesn't develop into the player he is? Because here's the thing, like I said earlier, if the Packers are confident, that Jordan Love can be a superstar-level quarterback, then what are they waiting on? Just trade Ian Rodgers. If you think Jordan Love is the guy, rip the bandaid off. Let's see what he's got, okay? But I don't think the Packers are all that confident right now in Jordan Love. Maybe I'm wrong, but they're bringing Jordan Love along pretty, pretty slow. They're not in any rush to put Jordan Love out there. But the thing is, What if Jordan Love never manifests into the player that they they think he's going to be? Could Green Bay potentially trade Jordan Love? I think that's a possibility. And if you trade away Jordan Love, I think that shows initiative to Aaron Rodgers that, hey, you matter. And listen, we whiffed. We were wrong. The problem is that there are too many egos going on with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has a big ego. And the Packers organization has a big ego. And deep down, I think the Packers organization kind of wants to stick it to Aaron Rodgers and say, yeah, we were right when we drafted Jordan Love. Just like when we, you know, drafted you, Aaron Rodgers, to replace Brett Favre. Now, again, the Brett Favre Aaron Rodgers situation is much, much more different than the Jordan Love Aaron Rodgers situation. I don't want to get into the real reasons why. All I'm gonna say is this: Where Aaron Aaron Rodgers is still playing at an elite level, okay? And Aaron Rodgers has made it known he wants to stay. He wanted to stay in Green Bay a couple of years ago. Brett Favre threatened to retire, and Aaron Rodgers fell to the Green Bay Packers. Whereas Jordan Love, they traded up to get him. They didn't have to draft Jordan Love okay, they could have drafted someone else. But no, they chose the future over the present. And that was a slap in the face to Aaron Rodgers, okay? But if Jordan Love doesn't manifest into the player that the Packers think that he, that he could potentially become and they potentially trade him or, you know, they admit they're wrong to Aaron Rodgers, then maybe Aaron Rodgers comes back around and what do you know? Green Bay also has a very talented roster. The past two years under Aaron Rodgers, the Packers have come so close to, to getting back to the Super Bowl, maybe this could be the year they get back to the Super Bowl. They have a pretty talented roster. Are they as talented as San Francisco? You know, the Rams, the Browns, or the Buccaneers? No, I don't think so. But they're a pretty talented team, and if things break their way, we could see Aaron Rodgers hoist, hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, and at that point, Green Bay would be super idiotic to move on from him. They'd have to admit they're wrong because, well. Aaron Rodgers would say could say to them, "Hey, I'm a champion now. I've, I'm a multiple Super Bowl MVP or champion. You gotta make a choice." And I think Green Bay is not dumb enough to make the wrong decision in that regard. So I think the likelihood that Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay is much more higher than you think. It's pretty much for all the reasons that I mentioned right there. So we'll see what happens, but. That's how I feel. I want to now shift to Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard recently made it known that he wants out of Portland. He has requested a trade from the Portland Trailblazers. And rumors are that the Knicks, the Lakers, the Miami Heat, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Golden State Warriors are some of Damian Lillard's most preferred destinations via trade. I just got to say this. I 100% support Damian Lillard for wanting out with the Portland Trailblazers. I respect the fact that Damian Lillard wants to leave that organization. I recently said, even before Damian Lillard requested a trade, I even came out and said a while back that the Portland Trailblazers are wasting away the greatness of Damian Lillard. So I support this 100%. And I said that because I believe the Portland Trailblazers organization is good with just being good enough. They're okay with just being good enough. And to me, that's not the message you should be sending your star players. See, eight out of the last nine years, the Portland Trailblazers, have made the playoffs. That's great. But what significant moves have the Portland Trailblazers made to show that they're truly all in on winning a championship? Because teams like the Brooklyn Nets, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, heck, even the small market Milwaukee Bucks are making moves to try to win a championship. And I kind of see some very similar things in the Portland Trailblazers organization. I, I, I see some similar things regarding them to in comparison to the Boston Celtics organization because I think the Boston Celtics organization relies way too much on draft picks and homegrown talent. And it, I can say the same thing with Portland. You know, because Portland has pretty much just relied on their draft picks and homegrown talent, and they haven't really gone after big-time free agents, and they really haven't tried to attempt to make any big-time trades to help Damian Lillard. Now, when you do rely on your homegrown talent and your draft picks, you can still go pretty far. You can get to a conference finals like the Blazers did a couple of years ago, like the Celtics did last year. But – You're not going to win a championship. In today's NBA, that's not going to fly, okay? You have to take some big swings. And Portland is a small market that's not really aggressive. They haven't gotten Damian Lillard that much help. Sure, you've had LaMarcus Aldridge for a little bit, who was there for a couple seasons. Sure, you have C.J. McCollum, but C.J. McCollum has never even made an all-star team, okay? He's a good player, but not a great player. Yo, know, Lamarcus Aldridge was there for a while, but they never retained him. Eventually, he went elsewhere, you know? And when you look at Damian Lillard's supporting cast in comparison to Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Giannis Kupo, and even James Harden at times, those supporting casts are light and days better than the supporting cast that Damian Lillard has been handed. And Damian Lillard has given everything to the Portland Trail organization. He deserves better, and I actually respect the fact that Damian Lillard is speaking up and saying, "Hey, I've done my part here. I care about my legacy. I want to go win a championship with another star player. I've played this loyalty game way too long and way too much, and you guys have not held your end of the bargain. So I 100." support, the fact that Damian Lillard wants out of Portland, and I'm interested to see where he goes next. Because I do believe, if given the right support, Damian Lillard can be the best player on a championship team, no doubt about it. That's how I feel. So I'm now going to answer the question, how does losing the NBA Finals affect Chris Paul's legacy? When we look at a guy like Chris Paul, who's going to go to the Hall of Fame. He's had a 16-year career. He's an 11-time All-Star. Four times he's made first-team All-NBA. Seven times he's made first-team All-NBA defense. Six times he's led the NBA in steals. Four times he's led the NBA in assists. I think that Chris Paul's legacy is that wherever he goes, he wins at a high level, despite sometimes not always having the best supporting cast. He's won at a high level with in New Orleans, he's won at a high level with the Clippers, Oklahoma City, he led them to the playoffs. He got to a conference finals with James Harden, the Houston Rockets, and recently he just was a part of a Phoenix Suns team that went to the NBA Finals and ultimately lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, here's the thing. The NBA Finals performance that Chris Paul put together did not change my viewpoint on Chris Paul all that much. It really did not change my opinion all that much. It really didn't. Because here's the thing. The NBA Finals basically confirmed all I already knew about Chris Paul. It confirmed every single thing and every single little detail about Chris Paul's legacy that I already knew. Okay? I learned nothing new about Chris Paul. Heading into the finals, I did not consider Chris Paul to be an all-time great player. I did not consider him to be a top five point guard of all time. And when I say Chris Paul is not an all-time great player, I'm not saying that he's not a great player because he is. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame. But I think there's a difference between a Hall of Fame level player and an all-star level player, and a guy that's an all-time great NBA player. When I say you're an all-time great NBA player, what I mean is there are levels to greatness. There's your all-stars, Hall of Famers, all-time greats, and guys in the GOAT conversation. Chris Paul has done nothing to belong in the inter-sanctum of players that we're going to remember forever. Chris Paul's not an all-time great player. Guys like Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Larry Bird, Jerry West, Kevin Durant, even Dirk Nowitzki, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, to me, are all-time great players. And again, I don't just feel this way in the NBA. I feel this way about other sports. I look at a guy like Eli Manning when it comes to the NFL. I think Eli Manning had a fantastic career, but I don't consider Eli Manning to be an all-time great player. Okay, I think he had a very good career, but not quite an all-time great despite even winning championships because he was just too inconsistent of a player. And see, here's the thing about Chris Paul. Chris Paul never consistently dominated the NBA like his fellow peers did. In order to be an all-time great player, you need to win championships or at least get to multiple championship games, meaning the NBA Finals. And I also kind of want you to lead the league in scoring maybe, maybe win an NBA MVP, you know. The thing about Dirk Nowitzki is this. I consider Dirk Nowitzki an all-time great player because he's won a championship, he's won a league MVP, and he's in the thirty thousand point club. That's extremely hard to do. You look at LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis, James Harden. All those guys at some point have been in the conversation for best player in basketball, best player in the world. Chris Paul was never consistently in the conversation. For best player in the world or best player in basketball. He just hasn't been in that conversation. And if you thought he is, or thought he has been in that conversation, you're overrating Chris Paul. Okay? Even Allen Iverson dominated the NBA for about a five to seven year stretch, where he won multiple scoring titles at NBA MVP, and He even led his team to NBA Finals, just like Chris Paul. The only difference is he's put up way better numbers and dominated the sport in ways Chris Paul never has. Okay? And Chris Paul in the NBA Finals, he was solid. He averaged 22 points per game, had eight assists per game, and shot over 50% from the field. But it wasn't good enough because the thing is, the Phoenix Suns needed Chris Paul to take it to another level. And he was not capable of doing that throughout the entire series. We saw a 31-point game in game number one. But we didn't see that sustained greatness all throughout the finals. Whether you want to talk about Chris Paul in a good light or not, they had a 2 to nothing lead on the Milwaukee Bucks. And they lost four straight games. And Milwaukee, in my opinion, overwhelmed the Phoenix Suns. And Chris Paul, quite frankly, had no answer. He also had some very bad turnovers in game number four. Like, he had 10 points in that game and shot 38% from the field. Like, he had some stinkers, okay? And this is the fourth time in Chris Paul's career he's blown a playoff series lead when he's been up two games to nothing at some point. And people legitimately thought that Chris Paul should have been potentially in the MVP conversation this year. And I told those people, no, I think Devin Booker is the best player on the team, not Chris Paul. Chris Paul is excellent, but not quite in the MVP conversation. So I can't give Chris Paul a pass because I think that people are thinking that he's a top five point guard of all time, thinking he's in this inner sanctum of great players. And I just don't see it. You know, I'm not in that same boat. I'm not saying Chris Paul is not a great player because he is, but I just think people have overrated his legacy a little bit too much. And overall, I don't think the NBA finals affected my view of Chris Paul because I never view Chris Paul in the light of being an all-time great player. If he were potentially to have won that championship, I would have considered I would have considered, you know, put him being in my all-time great players list, but I cannot do that. So that's how I feel. So let me circle back to Chris Paul. Because this is this needs to be said right here, right now, on my show. Chris Paul is not a top five-point guard of all time. I don't believe so. I'm not buying that Kool-Aid. Chris Paul doesn't belong in the inner sanctum of players that we are going to remember forever. He's not an all-time great player. Like I said earlier, when we talk about LeBron, Durant, Jordan, Bird, Jerry West, even guys like Dirk Nowitzki and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Those guys are guys we're going to remember forever and we should remember forever. I'm not saying Chris Paul shouldn't have great memories, but I think Chris Paul, because he more than likely probably is going to finish his career without winning a championship, I think he's in danger of being in the category of players that we kind of forget about, you know? And I don't consider Chris Paul a top five point guard of all time for a couple of reasons. Now, before I get into my reasons, I think he's better than Russell Westbrook. I think you can make the argument he's better than Damian Lillard. You can make the argument he's better than Jason Kidd. You can make the argument he's better than Josh Stockton. He's right outside the top five, but I would not put him in my top five. He has some more work to do, and at age thirty-six, I don't think Chris Paul is going to really do anything else special to add to his legacy, unless he joins maybe a LeBron James or another great player somewhere else. Because I think the Phoenix Suns ship has slowly kind of sinking a little bit. But here's the thing: here are my top five point guards of all time: Magic Johnson, Steph Curry. Oscar Robertson, Isaiah Thomas, and Allen Iverson. Those guys are my top five point guards in no particular order. I think they're all better than Chris Paul, and I don't think he deserves to be over any of the guys I mentioned. Let's start with Magic Johnson. Can we just stop it already? Five championships, three finals MVPs, three regular season MVPs, the greatest passer of all time, top five player of all time, arguably. No debate, okay? When it comes to Steph Curry in comparison to Chris Paul, Chris Paul and Steph Curry have played in the same era. And Steph Curry has been far and away the better player. You know, when you look at Steph Curry, two-time league MVP, Chris Paul's won a league MVP. He's the greatest shooter of all time, that guy being Steph Curry. Chris Paul is not in that conversation. And Steph Curry is a three-time NBA champion. He's better than Chris Paul, no doubt about it. When you look at Oscar Robertson, Oscar Robertson, Has made more all star games than Chris Paul. He's won a championship. He's second all time in triple doubles. And quite frankly, we look at the numbers, it ain't even close. Oscar Robertson is better than Chris Paul. We look at Isaiah Thomas and Chris Paul. I actually think they're very similar players in their play style, kind of how they're viewed by their peers. But the difference is, Isaiah Thomas actually won championships. Isaiah Thomas is an NBA Finals MVP. He's a two-time champion. And the Detroit Pistons, for a while, were the roadblock to Michael Jordan winning championships. Isaiah Thomas was the leader of that team. He reached heights that Chris Paul has, quite frankly, never reached. Or at least sustained, in my opinion. He's better than Chris Paul. When you look at Allen Iverson, Yes, he has not won a championship in his career, but he, just like Chris Paul, got to an NBA Finals. And I'd argue that that Philadelphia 76ers team is much worse than the team that Chris Paul just had at his disposal in the Phoenix Suns. At least Chris Paul could defer to a guy like Devin Booker who can give you 25 to 30 points on any given night. In that series, Devin Booker was the best player on the floor. Allen Iverson was the heart and soul of that Philadelphia 76ers team that went to the NBA Finals. And the fact that they actually got a game on the Shaq and Kobe Lakers, a team that went on to become a dynasty, that's amazing. And at one point, Allen Iverson was actually in the conversation for best player in the world, best basketball player alive. Now, Did he obviously reach that level? No, he never quite was the best player in basketball. You know, Shaq was better than him. Tim Duncan was better than him. Kobe Bryant was better than him. But he was in that conversation. He was knocking on the door of those guys. During a seven-year period, at one point, Allen Iverson won four scoring titles and a league MVP and took his team to the NBA Finals, okay? And in the NBA Finals, Allen Iverson performed like an all-time great, averaged over 30 points per game. In fact, Allen Iverson in the playoffs is second to only Michael Jordan in points per game in the playoffs. So I don't understand why people are putting Chris Paul – I had Alan Iverson. Maybe you consider Alan Iverson a shooting guard. I personally don't. I consider him. A, I consider him a point guard. So yeah, because Alan Iverson dominated the NBA in ways Chris Paul never did, and because he was in the conversation for best player in the world, Chris Paul was never quite in that conversation. He's better, and even in comparison to guys like Jason Kidd, when you look at Chris Paul and Jason Kidd side by side, Chris Paul is probably better. But the gap between him and Jason Kidd is not that wide. Jason Kidd led a Nets team to two NBA finals. And those Nets teams were not overall that great. And in fact, Jason Kidd even won a championship as a role player later in his career. Okay? Jason Kidd is second all-time in assists. He currently has more assists than Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul is probably going to pass him. But the gap between Jason Kidd and Chris Paul is not that wide. When you talk about John Stockton. I don't think the gap is that wide between the two. John Stockton was a part of two Utah Jazz teams that could have easily won two championships if it were not for the greatness of Michael Jeffrey Jordan, the greatest basketball player of all time. And John Stockton is the all-time assist leader. I don't think Chris Paul is catching him in, in assists. You can make the argument John Stockton is a better peer passer than Chris Paul, and he's been to more. He's played in more championship games, been to more finals. I'm just saying the gap is not that wide between the two. When you look at a guy like Steve Nash, Steve Nash is a two-time league MVP. He's top three all-time in assists. Is the gap between Steve Nash and Chris Paul all that wide? I don't think so. So I don't understand where all of a sudden people started giving Chris Paul all these fires. I get it. Look, I was actually very, very sad that the Phoenix Suns did not win the championship this year. Heading into the NBA Finals, I actually rooted for the Milwaukee Bucks to win a championship because I felt that Giannis Antetokounmpo, I felt that he gets a a, a lot of unnecessary hate. I wanted to see Milwaukee win a championship. I felt that was a very good story. But when Chris Paul wasn't able to get it done, I felt very sad for the guy because he's worked hard and quite frankly... The fact that Chris Paul isn't quite in that conversation for greatest players of all time, in my opinion, it's really just because he wasn't quite blessed with certain gifts other guys were given, because Chris Paul is a normal-sized human being, and do you know there's a trend between LeBron, Giannis, and Kevin Durant, arguably the three best players in the world, those guys are six foot eight, six foot ten, six foot seven foot tall. They're big guys. And things are a lot easier for them. I feel bad that Chris Paul didn't win a championship because he's a regular sized guy. And if he would have won a championship, it'd just be even more further proof that regular sized human beings and guys that work hard to overcome their physical limitations can indeed become a champion. But he came up short, and I kind of feel bad for him. So I'm not hating on Chris Paul. I just think that we're putting Chris Paul in a category that he hasn't quite you know, reached yet. And he never was on that level. And I just think that people gave him his flowers way too early. And for those reasons right there, Chris Paul, to me, is not a top five point guard of all time. He has more work to do. And quite frankly, I think that the ship has kind of sailed for his overall dominance in the NBA. Okay. I want to now shift to Devin Booker because I think that it's worth noting that Devin Booker was flat out awesome in his NBA playoff debut. This is the, we got a chance to see Devin Booker this year for the first time on a legitimate championship contending team. For the first time in his career, he actually had a team that was really, really good. And Devin Booker put on a show. In the playoffs. He was excellent. And in the NBA Finals, it's unfortunate that Phoenix had to lose. Because Devin Booker was so great. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel sorry for the guy. Because his great performance will go probably unnoticed a little bit. Because Phoenix came up short. But a couple of years ago, I looked at a guy like LeBron James. Going up against the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA Finals. And even though LeBron James was overwhelmed by a bunch of Hall of Famers, you looked at that guy and you said, that guy is the real deal, despite his team losing. I looked at Allen Iverson, you know, a couple of years ago when he played for the lost well, pardon me. He played for the Philadelphia 76ers, put on an absolute show in the NBA finals, versus a Shaq and Colby led Lakers team, and it wasn't enough. But even though Shaq and Colby came away winning the championship. I looked at Alan Iverson and I said, that guy has the, has the makings to become a champion one day. Unfortunately, he never won a championship, but Allen Iverson gained a lot of people's respect. Kevin Durant a couple of years ago, when Oklahoma City made it to the NBA Finals, despite them losing in five games, Kevin Durant was amazing. Averaged over 30 points per game. And I said to myself, man, Kevin Durant has a chance to become an all-time great player. I look at Devin Booker in that same light. I believe Devin Booker can become the best player on a championship team one day. And if you don't believe that, you're just flat out a Devin Booker hater, or you're just blind. That's the honest truth, okay? For the first time in Devin Booker's career, he made the playoffs, okay? And in the first round, he was the best player on the same court with LeBron James. He outplayed LeBron James in the, in the first round. Outplayed LeBron James. A guy that's in the GOAT conversation. Not the greatest player of all time, but he's in the GOAT conversation. He outplayed him in the second round. He goes up against Nicole Jokic, the, the reigning MVP, and the Denver Nuggets. And he played excellent. In the conference finals, Chris Paul is hurt earlier in that series for the first two games. The Phoenix Suns don't miss a beat. Devin Booker takes over. They don't miss a beat, like I said. And they eventually get to the NBA Finals. In the Finals, Devin Booker was excellent. He did have two very bad games in game number three and the closeout game six where it mattered most. Devin Booker wasn't himself. He wasn't all that great. He made a couple of decent shots. But overall, by his high standards, he wasn't the Devin Booker that we all know and love. But he also had back-to-back 40-point games. In the NBA Finals. To put that in perspective, Kobe Bryant only had one 40-point game in the NBA Finals in his career. And he's played in much more Finals games than, than Devin Booker, okay? And I'm a big-time believer in Devin Booker, okay? Because keep in mind, Devin Booker was used to being on a team that wasn't very good. Then all of a sudden, boom, the team is good. And you have to play 20 extra games a year. when you're good, okay? Because if if your team's bad, you immediately go home in the offseason once the regular season's over. But what makes LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and these guys special is the fact that they can sustain their greatness for an extra 15 to 20 games in the postseason. Because the postseason, it's a whole different animal. Teams are much more physical. The competition level is much, much higher. It's a whole new season. And the fact that Devin Booker really only started wearing down until the very, very end, that talk that shows that his conditioning is off the charts and that he's a great player. I believe in Devin Booker. I think he's going to learn from this experience, and I believe that Devin Booker has the potential to be an all-time great scorer, an all-time great player at that even, and the best player on a championship team one day. You know, when it comes to Giannis Atacupo, He's a pretty polarizing player. His overall game and the way he plays, like his overall play style is what I mean, it brings about a lot of different opinions and viewpoints. Some people love Giannis' game, and some people hate the way he plays. And heading into the playoffs, there was this narrative out there that Giannis wasn't much of a shooter, wasn't very skilled, not an alpha, not a closer. And there were questions about whether Giannis Antetokounmpo could lead a team to an NBA championship. And when you talk about Giannis's free throws and jump shot, yeah, it's not the prettiest. But Giannis has worked on those things. He's become a better free throw shooter. His jump shot is much better than it was a couple of years ago. It's to a point now where if you leave Giannis open for a, a three or a jump shot, he could potentially knock that down. You at least have to kind of respect Giannis a little bit from that distance. And I've seen Giannis improve as a ball handler as far as putting the ball on the deck and getting to the rim. Um, I think his moves in the post have improved. I saw Giannis putting it all together in the NBA Finals. And quite frankly, I still think Giannis has not... Even tapped into the best version of himself yet. There are still many things that Giannis can improve upon. And when it comes to Giannis, up the couple's flaws, here's the reality, folks. None of them matter anymore. You want to know why? Because Giannis is an NBA champion, okay? It doesn't matter anymore about his lack of great free throw shooting, or that he doesn't have the best jumper, or that his post moves aren't the best. The bottom line is, That guy just averaged over 35 points per game in the finals, and nobody could stop him. He's the reigning Finals MVP. He now should be in the conversation for best player in the world. And it was always, when it came to Giannis, it was always, yeah, Giannis is great, great numbers, winning a lot of games in the regular season, but never going to win a championship. And, well... Giannis is the champion now. We can talk about the fact that he got that the Bucs got lucky because Brooklyn had injuries, you know, and things like that. The Lakers potentially were a team that maybe could have taken them down. They had injuries as well, but no one seems to talk about the fact that Kawhi Leonard and the Toronto Raptors benefited from injuries to the Golden State Warriors two seasons ago. No one talks about that. No one talks about how the Cleveland Cavaliers were playing against Steph Curry, who wasn't 100% in the NBA Finals, and Draymond Green was suspended for game number five, which was a pivotal game for the Golden State Warriors, and they ended up losing that game. So the bottom line is there is always a little bit of luck that comes into a team winning a championship. Remember a couple of years ago when Chris Paul got injured versus the Golden State Warriors, and the Houston Rockets were, were without him in game number seven? Maybe if Chris Paul plays... They win the championship that year. They had a pretty good shot at least. You know, the bottom line is every team has a little bit of luck on their side. We critique Giannis, but we don't critique Giannis like we critique other players. Like, why don't we talk about Steph Curry's lack of vertical leaping ability? Steph Curry isn't dunking the basketball. Steph Curry at times is a liability on defense. Same thing with Kyrie Irving. has the same limitations, you know. Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic don't play any defense. Joel Embiid. Kawhi Leonard constantly hurt. Bill Russell had holes in his game. But you want to know why no one cared? Because no one could stop him. Okay? And here's the thing people talk about how Giannis is super duper tall, is gifted athletically, and other guys, if they had the same gifts as him, they'd be just as good, if not better. Okay, well, can we point out the fact that there are 59 players in the NBA currently that are just as tall? If not taller than Giannis, 59 players that are just as tall or taller than Giannis currently, and none of them are doing what he's doing. Giannis is the best big man in the game right now. In fact, there are also 57 players currently in the NBA that weigh the same as Giannis or more, and they're not winning finals MVPs. Why can't these other 6 foot 11 guys or 7 footers do what Giannis is doing? You want to know why they can't do what he's doing? Because they're not as good as Giannis. That's the reality. And when we talk about, oh, Giannis needs to improve his shooting. He needs to shoot threes. Did anyone ever ask Shaquille O'Neal to do that? No, you want to know why? Because you shouldn't be asking him to do that. I don't want Giannis or Shaq or Bill Russell going out to the three-point line and shooting shots. I want them in the paint dominating, and being unstoppable. That's what Chris Middleton's for. Let Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday and Pat Connington play their role and shoot the threes. Let Giannis do what Giannis is supposed to do. So, Giannis Antetokounmpo's flaws no longer matter because he's an NBA champion. And as as far as I'm concerned, as of right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo is officially an all-time great player. His flaws no longer matter. He's the NBA champion. And if you disagree, you're delusional. Okay? Sorry to tell you, but it's the truth. Okay? Sorry. But Giannis uh, his flaws no longer matter. You know, everyone's excited about the Milwaukee Bucks winning the championship, especially Bucks fans. And I get it. It's your first championship win in over 50 years. Now, some people... Have thrown out that the Milwaukee Bucks, led by Giannis onto the the reigning NBA Finals MVP, a guy that, as far as I'm concerned, should be in the conversation for best player in the world. A lot of people are starting to maybe hint toward the Bucks potentially, maybe being the next dynasty. At least a couple of people have thrown it out there. You know, it's it's at least out there in the world. That topic is at least surfaced. I'm here to tell you this right now: the Milwaukee Bucks are not the next NBA dynasty. And again, that has nothing to do with the Milwaukee Bucks not being a great team because they are a great team. They won the championship. They deserve it, okay? But we also have to talk about how the Bucks got here, okay? First of all, in the second round, Kyrie Irving goes down with injury. That was a big deal for the Brooklyn Nets, who – A lot of people thought we're going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks, potentially. And then James Harden has a hamstring injury. And Kevin Durant is left all alone. And Kevin Durant, literally by himself, nearly was inches away from beating the Bucks in a Game 7. It took the Bucks winning by the skin of their teeth versus an injured Brooklyn Nets team to get over the hump. If Brooklyn's fully healthy, I'm sorry, but the Bucks are not champions today. We're not even talking about Milwaukee. We're talking about Brooklyn today, okay? And then the second round, they get a favorable matchup versus the Atlanta Hawks. Now, again, I didn't think the Hawks or the 76ers were a great team. But let's say they face the Philadelphia 76ers. I get it. Ben Simmons, you know, the fact that he's a little bit overrated. He's a problem as far as scoring the basketball, I get it. But the Philadelphia 76ers were one of the few teams that had the size and the personnel to bother Giannis after the cupo Joel Embiid, he can more than hold his own versus Giannis. The Philadelphia 76ers had the size to match up with Milwaukee. Maybe they beat them. I don't think they would have, but the bottom line is Milwaukee got left the hook a little bit because Atlanta, they didn't have the personnel to deal with a guy like Giannis. And you look at the Los Angeles Clippers and the Los Angeles Lakers. Two teams that dealt with major injuries in the playoffs. Kawhi Leonard gets hurt. Anthony Davis gets hurt. The rest is history. But in my opinion, I felt the Clippers and the Lakers both had the personnel to beat Milwaukee. When healthy, you can make the argument that those teams are just as good, if not better, than Milwaukee. And even some teams in the past that we thought were going to be a dynasty Ended up not becoming a dynasty. You look at the Boston Celtics' big three back in 2008. They win a championship. They don't get back to the finals, okay? You look at the Lakers with Kobe Bryant and Powell Gasol. A lot of people thought that they could win a bunch of championships together. They won two championships, but that's about it. You know, they didn't do anything else really after that. And for a while, the Lakers actually fell off the map, you know? You look at the Cleveland Cavaliers, led by LeBron, You know, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Love, three superstar-level players. They never won more than one championship together. They didn't become a dynasty. As dominant and as good as the Miami Heat were, they never became a dynasty. You know, they lost to the Dallas Mavericks in the finals. They lost to the San Antonio Spurs by a record margin in the finals. Okay? Even the Golden State Warriors, they did not become a dynasty until they added Kevin Durant and pretty much made things unfair for the rest of the NBA. And what a lot of dynasties haven't have, or I should say have had, that the Milwaukee Bucks don't have is an elite coach. I'm sorry, Mike Budenholzer is not an elite head coach. He's not Greg Popovich. He's not Steve Kerr. He's not Phil Jackson. He's not in that category, people. He's just not. And I think he's a good coach, but he's not elite. And usually, when you have a dynasty, not only do you have elite players, but you have an elite coach as well. And usually, when you look at the duos like Dwayne Wade and LeBron, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal, do you know what those dynasties had in common? Their two best players were both top 10 players in the NBA. As good as Chris Middleton is, I don't think Chris Middleton is one of the 10 best players in all basketball. And even diehard Milwaukee Bucks fans have to admit this. Most of them are going to admit this as well. Now, could Chris Middleton develop into that guy? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But I, I think Giannis and Chris Middleton are a very good duo. But they're not quite dominant enough to year in and year out be the favorites. And I don't see the Bucks being the next dynasty. For all the reasons that I mentioned right there, if you were to ask me, Is Milwaukee going to be the next dynasty in the NBA? I'm going to say no way, no how, not even close. It will not happen, and that's how I feel. I just think that Milwaukee, year in and year out, is not going to be amongst the favorite to win the championship. They could be for the next couple of years because, as far as I'm concerned, the Eastern Conference, as it constructed today, it's Brooklyn or Milwaukee, but Overall, as time goes on, I think that Milwaukee's championship sizzle will eventually die down. The Milwaukee Bucks are not the next NBA dynasty for all of the reasons that I mentioned. Well, everyone, that's pretty much all I have today. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. Have a God bless day. Stay safe and I'm Ghost. Thank you so much for watching this video today. Please also note that the juiceler Sports Podcast is not just a YouTube channel. It is available on all podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content with all your friends. This podcast is is my favorite thing in the entire world right now. It is my passion. I want more people to listen to this podcast. I really want this podcast to grow. Also, a fun fact about me is that I want to go into the sports broadcasting and media world once I graduate from the University of Toledo, a college in Northern Ohio. I am looking to become one of the next great sports broadcasters and analysts out in the world. And I potentially would like to start my own network if this podcast really truly grows. Or if I fall short of that goal, I would love to work for a big time network like ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I am open to all networks. So if you believe in my dreams and you see or hear my passion through the screen, be sure to tell all your friends about the Juicelert Sports Podcast. Stay motivated, you guys. Have a God-blessed day and I'm out.